Hey there everyone, today we have our very first guest on Future. Her name is Portia Boggs and she is the Director of Advancement and Communications for a Virginia-based nonprofit organization named Local Food Hub. Here on Future, our goal is to create a large movement towards real, local and sustainable food systems through various uses of technology and the power of, well, you. We really do need major fundamental change to the economy so my purpose as founder of the FUB and host of Future is to build up as well as promote businesses and organizations that are already doing the most important job we need right now, that is building strong local economies. In today's society, your buying decisions are truly the only way you can combat climate change in the time frame we need it in. That is where Porsche's organization comes in. At Local Food Hub, they provide a platform that really spiked my interest because of how well they were dealing with this whole global pandemic we're in right now. So, let's get into it. I started out by asking Portia to introduce herself as well as how their organization all got started. Hey, great to be here. So as you said, I work at Local Food Hub. We were founded about 10 years ago in 2009 in Charlottesville, Virginia, when a group of community members got together and realized that there was a real disconnect in our food system. Um, so on one side of things there, you know, Charlottesville and Virginia overall is this amazingly rich agricultural area with hundreds of small farms growing the most amazing produce you've ever seen. At the same time, consumers, you know, shoppers, universities, school systems were all wanting more local food, but there was no infrastructure really connecting those two groups. So Local Food Hub was founded with the intention of building up that infrastructure. When we were founded, we were founded really with three key pillars. The first being the aggregation and distribution of local food. So sort of what you think of when you think of a traditional food hub, purchasing food from farmers, distributing it out to people who want it, businesses, institutions, that kind of thing. The second pillar of our work was grower services. So we very quickly realized that small farms face more barriers than just the inability to, to sell their food. They, there are so many food safety expectations, market regulations, things like the Food Safety Modernization Act, which is frankly confusing, difficult to understand, gaining certifications are expensive and time consuming. Farmers are farming, you know, farming is a full-time job. Um, and the business of farming is also a full-time job. Most of our partner farms are small family-run businesses with just one or two people essentially doing multiple full-time jobs, which logistically doesn't work out. And so we really created this grower services program to try and make the business side of farming as easy as possible for our growers so that they can focus on what they do best, which is the farming itself. The third pillar of our work was food access. Um, we really strongly believe that a food system is only as good as it is equitable. And, you know, local food is fresher and more nourishing than most traditional food you can buy in the stores. Um, and we wanted to make sure that everybody in our community 
regardless of where they lived or what their income was, was able to access that fresh food. So our flagship program that we developed was our fresh pharmacy program, which I'm happy to talk about more later. Um, but we also work with school systems and with other community organizations to try and get more fresh local food into the community. So basically, local food hubs served as a needed helping hand to local farmers who needed to be focused on their actual job instead of figuring out how to navigate through confusing government regulations. These regulations were made mostly to regulate, I'm putting regulate in air quotes right now, but to regulate massive privatized monocultures. If you don't know what a monoculture is, it is typically a massive piece of land that produces a single crop. Monocultures produce almost all the food you currently eat, but are also the main reason food must travel around the world and be pumped with various chemicals and gene adaptations before it gets in your mouth. Local Food Hub then helped these farmers by making it super easy for schools and local organizations to buy fresh food that they were all craving. Local Food Hub had some problems with their distribution model though, but by utilizing the strengths of others within their community, they were easily able to solve it. Let's listen to that story. So we served um, as an aggregator and distributor for about 10 years. We sort of consistently had a problem where our, our distribution efforts had, to, so we're a nonprofit. Our distribution efforts had to be subsidized by fundraising efforts um, because we were trying to do this really difficult dance of paying the farmers a fair price, typically about three times what the market value or what the, what the cost that they would get from a traditional purchaser would be, while also selling the food at a really affordable rate so that people could, could afford to buy it. That problem could be solved um, by scaling up. You can gain a lot of efficiencies once you've reached a larger size, but that also requires a lot of capital, which we didn't have. So last year in 2019, after about 18 months worth of conversations, we actually sold our distribution business to a food hub in Northern Virginia called 4P Foods. Um, they share a lot of our same values. They share our mission, our commitment to small, small farms and good food grown well. And with that transaction, they were then able to scale up to really achieve those efficiencies and become a self-sustaining business. And Local Food Hub was able to really dive deeply into farm support and food access and advocating for farmers. So I strongly believe in the fact that how we have shaped our current food system is the main reason for a lot of major issues in our society. The good news is, though, that organizations like Local Food Hub are an obvious and powerful solution to almost all these issues we face today. One example of how we can see this is by how Porsche's organization has dealt with this whole COVID-19 situation we're in right now compared to the traditional grocery stores. So I asked, how has your local organization reacted to a global pandemic? Yeah, I mean, I agree completely. And I think that you expressed that perfectly. I feel like we have been saying since before we were even founded that local food systems are really the most agile, resilient, and adaptive um, way that you can get your food. And this pandemic has really hammered that point home. So my colleague and I were actually at a food hub conference in New Orleans when institutions across the country first started closing down. And it was really amazing 
to see how quickly every single person at the conference pivoted to focus on the pandemic and how we could all rise together work together collaborate to make sure that our farmers could still get their food out and our communities could still access food um despite you know the fact that that food coming in internationally and sort of food that travels long distances was getting more complicated and people were panic buying all that stuff and so local food hubs specifically has really Divin, divin, dived, <laughs> um, dived deep into um, the grower services and food access work that it was already doing. So one of the first things that we did was start a drive-through farmers market. So we started out with once a week. We are now up to twice a week, where we're doing a pre-order only drive-through farmers market. There's about three and a half days worth of an open ordering window. People can go online, log in, buy whatever they wanna buy, pay in advance. And then when they show up at our market in their designated time slot, they don't have to get out of their car. A local Food Hub employee opens their trunk holding a Clorox wipe. And then vendors who are all wearing gloves and face masks place the product directly in their car. It's been really a huge success. We've done over $70,000 worth of sales. We've had over a thousand people or over a thousand purchases through the, the online platform that we're using. And we also have been able to consult with other community organizations that also want to start drive-through markets. So our local City government recently started their own city market um, drive-through version, and we've been able to consult and work with them really closely to sort of teach them about the lessons that we've learned and advise them on how to have it run as smoothly as possible. And then we've just heard really amazing things from the vendors as well. You know, we've had some vendors tell us that these markets are really what is keeping them afloat right now because they don't have any other sales outlets. So that's one big thing that we've been doing. Another thing that we've really been focusing on our fresh pharmacy program, which I referenced earlier. Typically it's a program where for about 26 weeks over the summer, we partner with six different health clinics in our community. They identify people who either have or are at risk of some kind of diet related disease. And then for 26 weeks, every other week, we provide them with a share of locally sourced food, along with things like cooking classes, um, storage and preparation tips, nutritional information, and just sort of lots of supplemental information that is really with the goal of making sure not only that people have the food, but that once they have it, they know how to use it. So we had the infrastructure for this program. It was supposed to start in late may early june we have started it two months early we have adapted it to be um, home delivery we've tried to adjust the costs so that as much money in the price per bag is going to food and as little is going to sort of you know delivery um pack out that kind of stuff we've partnered with a lot of different community organizations to accomplish that. So Yellow Cab in Charlottesville is the company that's delivering the bags. Obviously taxis are really suffering right now because nobody wants to get into a stranger's car that other people have been in before them. We're partnering with a local catering company, again, that's seen a huge drop off in business lately to do the actual packing of the shares. 
Right now, we are at about 150 people per week. Possibility to expand the program is pretty much limitless in terms of demand. We are just limited by the funding that we have available. And then the final thing that I'll say about our work is just that we are really focused in these crazy times on collaborating with other community organizations. Um, so working with community organizations in Charlottesville um, to get fresh produce into their emergency feeding efforts. So most emergency feeding efforts out of necessity focus on shelf stable, highly processed foods, which is important, but it's also important that people have access to fresh produce. Um, so we're working with these organizations to get fresh produce into those bags. And then we're also working very closely with organizations like 4P who purchased our distribution branch and other food hubs across the really entire East Coast to build connections that help everybody get the food that they need when they need it. Portia's words really do showcase the robust effect a local food system can have on a local economy. During this pandemic, they have become more profitable while keeping farms, a taxi company, and a catering business afloat, all while feeding the less fortunate with high-quality food. Porsche's organization is still not that big. I'll tell you right now, a lot of your local businesses will not make it out of this pandemic. But can you imagine how much more protected our local economies would be if local food hubs were made popular and used by everyone right now? I wanted to dive into the process of how a vendor sells their produce and how a person would purchase the food through this drive-through market they've set up. Here was her response. Yeah, so the drive-through market, we are working with a platform called Lulu's Local Food. The way that that works is vendors go in, they input their own inventory and how much inventory they have. So if they so desired, they could say, you know, we have one loaf of bread and 25 cases of strawberries, although typically their inventory is a lot higher than that. Um, so they go in, set whatever inventory they have. Anyone, once local food hub on our end kind of approves the inventory and publishes it, um, anyone can log in. You have to create an account on Lulu's. Right now, the fee for an account with local food hub is you pay $5 and then you can access the program for three months. So there is a slight fee just to kind of help cover our overhead costs, but we've really tried to keep it as accessible as possible. I think $5 for three months is about as reasonable as you can get. Once they've done that, they go into Lulu's, they select the pickup day. So like I said, we have two different um, markets, each with a different set of vendors. So they go into their settings, they decide, I want to shop at the Wednesday market or the Friday market. And then really, there's just a big list of, of product, and they can go through, add anything that they want to to their cart in any quantity that they want, assuming that the vendor has that quantity, and then they pay in advance. Um, so they pay online. Um, the entire transaction is finished by the time that they actually show up at the market. Pretty simple, but powerful stuff. I feel like a lot of people, when they think about shopping local, a lot of preconceived notions pop up. One being that's too expensive and there just isn't enough. People think this because for most people, a local food market is just that little hobby stand that pops up every now and then. In a previous conversation with Portia, I brought this point up and she explained that the way they're adding supply is by partnering with other nearby states. This adds variety to diets as well as lowers the cost of local food. Look. 
Obviously, we won't be able to convince the entire world to switch to 100% local in the time frame we need change to happen. Right now, the average person's diet consists about 2% local food. What we should be aiming for, in my opinion, is a diet that is 40% local, 40% national, and 20% international. So the next time you look at a recipe, think about this. It's really not that hard to do. Next, I asked Portia, how do we come out of this pandemic in a new light? How do we spread the word about the local food movement? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, a big question. <laughs> um, so I think this is a really powerful moment for local food. I think that more and more people are realizing that the food that they are able to get easily in these, you know, kind of crazy chaotic times is local food. Um, so one story that I like to point to is um, one of my colleagues recently went to a traditional grocery store, went to the produce shelves and took a picture. They were it's like 90% empty. You know, it looked like they had been completely cleaned out. It looked like something like a scene from an apocalyptic movie. Unable to find the produce that she wanted, she then went to a favorite small locally owned grocery store in Charlottesville that buys the vast majority of its food locally, and the shelves were absolutely overflowing with produce. Um, I think we have been getting more and more questions from our community on like, how do I access food in this time? Like, what do I do when I go to the store and the shelves are empty? And our answer is, of course, like, look local. There's our drive through markets. The city of Charlottesville is now doing drive through markets. There's these small retailers. Our, you know, close partner organization, 4P Foods, who bought our distribution, also does direct-to-consumer sales. Um, so they their original model was founded on... People sort of like our drive through market system where you go online, you build out the food that you want, but instead of like then driving to pick it up, the food was delivered directly to your office or your apartment building, which is exactly what needs to be happening now in these times. Um, and I, you know, I don't work for them. I don't know their specific numbers, but I know that all of their shares, the number of their shares has grown I think exponentially since all of this started um, with more and more people realizing I cannot rely on traditional food systems right now. Like local food systems are the only way that I can get the fresh produce that I need. And I think that as long as, I mean, there's so many food hubs across the country. There are so many people who, you know, over the summer, go to the farmer's market, try and buy locally as much as they can. I think that if we all rise up and start talking about how local food is the solution in this time and really beyond, because who knows what the future brings. There may be more crises like this and local food, I think, is the answer that we all need to be talking about in terms of how do we make sure consistently in the short term and in the long term, everybody has enough healthy food to eat. I don't know about you, but this just seems like a really obvious solution. Please, if you're listening to this, just start to look into localization. I recommend you start out by going on YouTube and typing in Helena Norberg TED Talk. That's H-E-L-E-N-A 
Helena, N-O-R-B-E-R-G, Norberg, and then TED Talk. I guarantee you, you will agree with everything she says. So the way I discovered Local Food Hub was through their really well-curated Instagram page. I complimented Portia on the page, but then asked her, how do they speak about local food hubs? What education approach were they taking? Um, thank you. Yeah, so before, I think our educational game um, has definitely stepped up since all of this started, frankly, just because more people are listening. So before we did things like some presentations at schools, stuff like that, we would partner with school systems in Virginia Farm to School Week to really make school children aware of like what local means and what it means to sort of eat ethically, sustainably, all that. As well as like you pointed out, kind of relying on our social media outlets and blog to educate people on like, okay, like what does local actually mean? What is a local food system? Like what, what do those words even mean? What should I be thinking about when I hear them? Stuff like that. I would say that our, our educational outreach has pivoted slightly since COVID-19. We are still trying to educate people just sort of overall on local food and what that means. We're also trying to educate people um, on how this pandemic illustrates the res resiliency of local food systems. And then finally, I think we're really trying to educate people not just on what we're doing, but on what everyone in our community is doing. You know, we have, for example, we've created this drive through market. Since then, two other drive through markets have pop up, popped up in Charlottesville. We're not interested in saying, you know, you should only come to ours like we're the best. We are interested in saying, all of these markets are important. This is why they're important. Like maybe you want to go to the city market if you want this experience. You want to come to our market if you want this experience and really just lift up everyone in our community and the work that everyone in our community is doing because there's no way to get through this in a silo. So Portia, is Charlottesville a big town, a small town, a city? Like what are you dealing with here? question. So I would describe Charlottesville as a relatively small town, um, but we have the University of Virginia here, which A, inflates the population, and B, means that we have more at our disposal, I think, than a community of our size that didn't have a major university in it. So we have an incredibly high proportion of restaurants, we have some really great museums, we've got a really strong art scene, so a small town, but I would say a very rich and diverse small town. I asked this question because I wanted to know what the local food hubs model would look like in contrast to a large city or just a very small town. Here was her answer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is a really good question. Um, I, I believe that our model could easily be scaled up or scaled down um, in either case. I think that the really important takeaway for somebody interested in this kind of work in a community of any size is the importance of collaboration, of really making sure that you know what work is already being done 
in your community so that you are strengthening and leveraging that and not duplicating any efforts. I think that that becomes a lot more difficult in a big city because there's just more organizations doing more work, but it's well worth the, the time and effort to put into figuring all of that out. So I think when a lot of people think of creating a fully local food system, they think everyone will have to become a farmer and will have to just live in this ultra hippie reality. It's not that though. It's more about supporting our local businesses and trying to spend the majority of our money within our local radius. So I asked Portia, how can we actually help and support this movement without turning into a farmer? Right. Yeah, and I, think, I mean, obviously, farmers are the backbone of this entire system. But no, everybody does not need to become a farmer. I think we have so much land out there now by for being used, for example, by like commodity farmers who are just growing grain or just growing corn and really depleting the land of its natural resources by doing this sort of, you know, one crop agriculture. Um, and that if we were to get people in there who farmed the land more responsibly, grew more diverse crops, more rotational crops, we could make much better use of the food system that we have. And I agree, some, this is something that we talk about like at least once a week at Local Food Hub and with other hubs, like how great it would be to have some kind of firm number on like, yes, this jar of locally sourced pasta sauce that you just bought is $1.50 more expensive than, you know, the generic grocery store brand. But at the same time, like these are the carbon offsets. These are the people in your community that you kept employed. Like this is sort of the economic value of buying local. So I guess my first answer would be if there's anyone out there who really loves data and loves digging into numbers and wants to, you know, do some kind of cost analysis on that, that would be amazing. I think really though, the biggest way, well, I guess in general, if you do not, you know, if you want to just vote with your dollar every day and support in that way, um, then I think that really supporting farmers markets, supporting businesses and restaurants that buy from local. If you're a university student, you can go to your cafeteria and advocate for local food. I think what people don't realize is that we, as the consumers and the end users of food, have a lot of untapped power. You know, if everybody rose up and started refusing to buy produce that was shipped in from another country or, you know, Monsanto products or whatever, um, then stores would stop supplying it um, because they wouldn't be able to sell it. And then eventually that would trickle back to the actual production and that production would transition to something the consumers actually wanted to buy. So I think that there are so many ways that we can vote with our dollars and advocate with our grocery stores and institutions restaurants that we want to see more local products. On a personal note, you know, Local Food Hub is a nonprofit. We do accept donations. They're all tax deductible. You can go to our website. It's localfoodhub.org. Um, and we currently are accepting donations either for general operating support or specifically for our COVID-19 work. And I would also say if you're interested in supporting people more in your own area, there is probably a food hub or a food bank or a community organization in your community that is doing great work that you can support as well. 
That's it, everyone. Thanks so much, Portia, for being my first ever guest on Future. Our conversation has really inspired me to do a lot more of these. If you're a new listener, please subscribe or set up notifications for this podcast. There are so many exciting topics and people we can talk to on the topic of localization. Also, I truly believe the main cause of lack of movement on this movement is due to people just not knowing stuff. So if you want to arm yourself with cool ideas that are trying to build a better future, I'll see you in the next episode. See ya.